You're listening to the Morning Shakeout Podcast. I love to run, period. You can always run faster. Forever, you're going to feel something. You're going to run into roadblocks, but that's also going to teach you how to handle things in life. I don't think we want to be like rocks where we're not affected by anything. It's not maybe a physical thing, but it's a mental thing. There's like two voices in me, alpha and beta. Really trying to do is just keep moving forward. Every single runner knows what that means. My life has a purpose, and maybe it's not what I thought it was going to be, but I think that that does help me. There's a lot of people that have different gifts, and they don't use it. I think if we all use our gifts, we could do something really special, not for ourselves, but for our family. If we're really good, we could do something for our community. Wherever we live. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm your host, Mario Fraioli. Welcome back to the Morning Shakeout podcast. I am here with my right-hand man, Chris Douglas, and we are going to set up this week's episode for you. Yeah, so this week we have Coach Randy Ashley on the show, and... Before we get too deep into it, um, one thing I noticed when I was listening to the raw file of this, Mario, is it felt like you were smiling the entire time you were talking. That's accurate. There was no video. There is no video for for this one, but I I was smiling the entire time. So I just genuinely enjoyed this conversation. And Randy's someone that I have known for 15 years years. I mean, he's a friend. He's a coaching colleague of mine. The two of us were in a mutual friend's wedding together um, not all that long ago. So, I mean, he's just someone I'm really comfortable talking to, but he's also someone that I just have a ton of respect for and that I've learned a lot from myself over the years. And to be able to have a roughly hour-long conversation with him about coaching high school athletes specifically was just a real treat. Sure. And it was also like coaching. I mean, you guys were also talking about kind of like the life of a coach, which Mm -hmm. I found super interesting. Like the idea that, um, and I might be misquoting him, that this isn't a job that he needs to retire from. I thought that was like really interesting. And sort of the idea that like what he lives for is when he's at track and all the students show up, I guess for you would be when, you know, for Golden Gate Tri Club, when Mm -hmm. everyone shows up to track to do the work. Yeah. I mean, we definitely touched on that in the early part of this conversation. I mean, Randy's been doing this for, I think like 23 to 25 years years now. And I mean, he's been coaching at the Christ School in Asheville, North Carolina for the past eight years. He's coached at other schools. He's coached um, all levels of athletes from beginners running their first marathon to people qualifying for Boston to Olympic trials qualifiers. I mean, before he started coaching athletes, Randy was an awesome one himself. He's a two-time Olympic trials qualifier in the marathon. He was fourth at the U.S. Marathon Championships in the late, I'll just say the late 90s. I don't know exactly you know, what year it was, but he's someone who's always had a passion for running. And, you know, we talked about in the early part of this episode, how he got into coaching and he knew right away that this is what he wanted to do. And as you just alluded to, he said, you know, this, this is something that I'm, I'm never going to retire from. I mean, maybe he'll do a little bit less of it, but you know, it's really a calling in life for him as it is for me. And um, yeah, I just, uh, I loved this conversation and I'm super excited to share it with people. Yeah. I mean, the the, the last point I wanted to make on it uh, just before, before we get into it is like, 
I was really amazed just his his memory for details that he seemed mm-hmm. to just be able to access at will. I mean, he was dropping. You know, it's like he remembers all the reps. Like he remembered what he weighed and what his height was in high school. You know, in eighth grade. You know, I mean, it's it's like what a legend. Yeah, he has that kind of mind. And I mean, I've known Randy long enough and had enough conversations with him that he just like you know pulls that stuff up, and he's he's either completely accurate or not very far off. And and that's a pretty amazing you know quality to have as a coach. But um, yeah, this is this is great. I don't want to spend too much more time on the intro, but just to set it up a little bit more. I mean, we talked a little bit about the X's and O's of coaching high school athletes. It's not something I have a ton of experience with. So this was a real learning opportunity for me, but we also talked about just building culture, you know, and what the role of a high school coach is someone who is taking kids in a very formative period of, of their life and setting them up, you know, not only for success while they're in high school, but for the post-collegiate life, whether they become runners or not. Right. And just sort of owning the responsibility of his role as a teacher, as a mm-hmm. mentor. I mean, I thought that was just really well stated. And I mean, I want I want my kids to be coached by him. Yeah. I mean, he talked about it this episode. <laughs> I mean, he, he literally has like, you know, parents who find out where he's coaching and they're like, I'm going to send my kid to school so that they can be coached by Coach Randy Ashley. It's amazing. I it's, mean, what a compliment. What Exactly. What a compliment. What a coach. This is an awesome conversation. Before we get to that, should we shout out our sponsors? Let's shout out the sponsors. And number one, we've got my longtime partner, Tracksmith. Uh, they have been supporting my work for the last six years at this point and throughout the rest of 2023. As of this conversation, the brand Spring Collection is now available. A lot of the staple pieces are in there. There are some refreshed colors for spring. Um, The one that I want to highlight today is what I call my home jersey. It's the Twilight Tank. And I mean, I have a few different versions of this tank, but I I half-jokingly call it my home jersey because at the Boston Marathon, I wore the Twilight Tank with Boston across the chest. And for that race, that is my, my home jersey. But I've got you know, uh, a white colored one that I slap a morning shakeout logo on from time to time. I've got, you know, a few different colors for, you know, different occasions. And I mean, I just, I love this top. It's great to race in, but it's also, especially for the spring and summer months, an awesome workout top. I mean, I've talked many a time in this podcast about just like how putting on a certain pair of shoes or being in an environment puts you in the right mindset. And when I put on the twilight tank, I want to run fast. Like it just has that feel to it. So I save it for workout and race day. Uh, it's super lightweight. I mean, it comes in, you know, a ton of different colors. I can't say enough good things about it. The last thing, and this is a little more timely this summer, Tracksmith is going to be doing their twilight 5,000 series again. And if you go to tracksmith.com, you can find the entire schedule, but they are spread throughout the country. I believe it's June, July, and August. Most cities have two different events. I participated last year in the San Francisco editions. There was one, I want to say June or July, and another one in August. I paced them, actually. And this is just a great opportunity to challenge yourself in for some folks, a different way um, to drop down from like the half marathon, marathon distance of the spring and really try to get fast over the summer and push yourself for 5K on the track. And what's awesome about these is whether you're trying to break like 35 minutes or 30 minutes or 25 minutes or 20 minutes or 15 minutes, like there's a heat for everyone and they all have pacers and it's just a fun night. I mean, I remember going to Kizar last year and I paced a couple heats of it, but I was there from... 
I don't know, like five thirty, six o'clock, I think is when it started. And the last one wrapped up at like nine thirty. So it's like every like, you know, 30, 40 minutes, there's a fresh heat going off and they've got music going and they're on the speakers. And it's just, it's a, it's a cool scene. It's a lot of fun. So they're doing it again this summer. Go to tracksmith.com and you can see if there's going to be one in a city near you. Last thing I'll say about Tracksmith, if you go to their website, if you buy anything, Twilight Tank, the Alston shorts, which I've talked about before, the Harrier long sleeve, which we have also highlighted here. They also have a short sleeve version now that I just got. It's Ooh. awesome. Um, so you got to check that out. But if you buy anything on tracksmith.com, you can go to tracksmith.com slash Mario and you can find it all there. But when you check out, if you use the code Mario Give, that's capital M-A-R-I-O and then capital G-I-V-E, you'll get free shipping on your order and 5% of your purchase will go to the Friendly House, which is an organization in Worcester, Massachusetts that is near and dear to me. And I just love that, you know, there's this charitable component to using my code and it goes to, you know, a cause that, you know, I, I mean, I grew up at the Friendly House, you know, and, and it's helped a lot of kids in the central Massachusetts and Worcester area. Uh, and I love that, you know, Tracksmith is willing to partner in that way and give back. So that's Mario, capital G-I-V-E, when you check out at tracksmith.com. I love it. Who's our next sponsor, Mario? We've got one more, and it is another longtime partner of the Morning Shakeout, and that is Gooder. I love these sunglasses. I think they're just the best. I, they have multiple uses. I run in them. I walk the dog in them. I drive in them. Uh, they're 25 to 35 bucks a piece. They've got a bunch of different styles. I'm an OG guy. I just, I like that style. I've got an ugly dome. They look the best on me. But you can go to gooder.com. That's G O O D R.com slash Mario and check out everything that they have there. As I said, most pairs are 25 to 35 bucks a piece. These are the most affordable performance sunglasses that you can find. They are polarized to protect your eyes. They don't slip and they have a ton of just fun colors and styles. So gooder.com slash Mario, that's G-O-O-D-R.com slash Mario, or enter the code Mario15, that's Mario15, when you check out and you will get free shipping on your order. Sounds great. Sounds great. Um, are there any new styles that you're rocking or you're still sticking with the uh, old faithfuls? No, I'm sticking with the OGs, uh, mostly on because, <laughs> you know, my face hasn't gotten any prettier over the years and those ones just work for me. But I mean, they've, they've got a ton of different colors. So I do have a few different colors of the OGs, but you know, that's my style. They've got bigger ones. They've got smaller ones. Um, check them out for yourself. Gooder.com slash Mario. All right. With that, let's get into this conversation with coach. Randy Ashley. All right. Well, in a lot of ways, I feel like this conversation has been 15 years in the making. Randy Ashley, it's a real pleasure to welcome you to the Morning Shakeout podcast. Uh, it's quite quite the honor, Mario. It's great to be with you, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, I uh, I was just looking back at old emails, uh, and we were introduced by our mutual friend Mark Driscoll almost exactly 15 years ago. It was in 2008, uh, and then I got to meet you when I came to Asheville. We were in his wedding together a few years later. Most recently, I just saw you at the New Balance Indoor Grand Prix in Boston, where you were uh, with one of your athletes, Rocky Hansen. Uh, and we kind of had you know loosely set this up, and I'm just excited to you know talk training with you here over the next hour or so. Yeah, it was great seeing you in Boston. It had been a while, and uh, it was fun watching you race as well in Boston in that Masters Mile. So 
Congrats on staying fit. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. I feel very grateful to be able to do so um, at my age. But before I start asking you questions, I just I really want to thank you um, first because you know I, I know you'll remember this. I don't know if many listeners will, but like years and years ago, probably like 2011, 12 at, at this point, when I was working for a competitor and I was doing a little bit of writing for Running Times. Before that, you were a source for a lot of the articles that I wrote. You were very gracious with your time, sharing your knowledge and expertise with me. Um, also helped me to expand my own knowledge as a coach in the early years that you know I was doing this. So I just want to say thank you. Um, you know, just for being you know willing to to always share uh, what you're doing right now, and I'm excited for others to just like listen to you know some version of a conversation that we've been you know we've been having over the years here. Well, you're certainly welcome. And I'm always in life trying to push things forward in a positive manner. And anything I can ever do to help someone, I'm going to give it give it a go. So, uh, you're, you know, you've done a great job of what you're doing. And I'm glad to have been at least a little part of getting you started. Well, tell me how you got started, specifically as a coach. And maybe it goes like well beyond that. Because when I was first introduced to you, I think you were... Uh, you're doing a lot of things as, as you you know have been doing over the years, but you were at Zap Fitness at the time. I think working on their staff there, helping with a lot of the you know summer camps. I know that you've coached a lot of adults. Um, you've been coaching high school, you know, over the years, and just like this, you know, wide range of athletes. But I'd love to learn just how you got started with it all. Well, I after the 2000 Olympic Charles Marathon, I started looking into the future a little bit thinking, okay, what am I going to do for a living? Um, cause I'd been in Brevard training for five, six years and really just working in a restaurant, but you know, it was a, it was a cool lifestyle. I enjoyed it. But my, uh, my oldest son was born in OO. So I started thinking, well, okay, I'm going to have to move from Brevard to Asheville. So I did. Um, I took a job in a running store, just like every other runner probably has at some point. And I um, saw an ad in a paper uh, for a private school, just needed a, a, a distance track coach. Um, this is maybe looking, this is maybe 2002. Um, and at the same time, I had a roommate uh, who was a trail runner. And crazily, at the same time, a businessman walked into the store I worked at and asked me if I would coach him. So I got a gig at a high school. I pretty much started private coaching uh, this one man. And then my roommate, being a trail runner, wanted to uh, get better. And so I had just come off of a long, a lot of years of training pretty hard. And I essentially just started applying some of the training I had done to these three different individuals and they were literally like 18 30 and 44 the i'm speaking specifically of the one individual i had an 800 meter runner at Asheville school who was very very talented so in just in that small window of about um six months i coached an 800 runner down from two flat to 153 i coached a marathoner from 321 down to 250 and the trail runner um if i pushed forward a year and a half he ended up ends up winning a usatf 50k trail championship out in the san francisco area so that was sort of my introduction to coaching and i, I had some immediate success across the board with different type of individuals so i just applied myself to it in full and um have not really stopped coaching since. Um, 
I took a couple of years off of high school coaching in the in the 14, 15 range, but still coached privately and had four um, athletes go two go three go D one one go D two. So um, it's been in my blood. I was very fortunate to have a great high school coach who, if I asked him why I was doing this workout that I felt like might be a little insane, uh, he could explain it to me the physiology and you know, just give me the nuts and bolts of what we were doing. So he really is the one who started me getting me educated on uh, the path to success. And as far as reach, reaching goals, and that's been my focus all along is um, I tell people I'm not a motivator. You better, if you're coming to me to get coached, you need, you need to already have your own motivations and we'll get the job done if you believe in yourself. And that's just how I've worked ever since. Yeah, it's it's wild to hear you tell that story because you laid that foundation for what you're doing now. I mean, over 20 years ago at this point, because even still to this day, I mean, you coach primarily high school. I mean, you've got a great program at the Christ School now, and you've been there for eight years. I mean, I know you have a number of private clients. You've done everything from like qualify for Boston to qualify for the Olympic trials to, as you just mentioned, you know, win national titles. I mean, and you're literally coaching kids from like their early teens, you know, into their like forties, fifties and and sixties. And I mean, you started doing that right away and are still doing it, which I just find like truly remarkable. Well, what's amazing is I have, um, from my days at Zap Fitness, I still have three athletes that I coached from 2005. And these athletes are, one is a 75-year-old lady, one is a 62-year-old man, and one's a 52-year-old lady. And they just stuck with me all along, and they like the 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 biz, how the business gets laid out for them each week, and they don't have to think about mm-hmm. what am I running, what am I running today? You know, my first client that I had, I don't like to use the word client, I'm sorry, my first athlete that I had that I worked with over a three-year period was a 44-year-old man who started off at 327. He wanted to break um, three hours. And I told him we're going to do a marathon every six months. And we followed the same formula. And in the third year, he ran a 258 and then a 252 at 47 years old. So you're breaking off, what is that, 35 minutes? Yep. (laughs) That's kind of a lot, right? And when he finished that 252 at Chicago, he – he called me and said, I'm done. I've reached my goals. I've reached my goals in running. And I said, congratulations. Great to work with you. Man, he didn't want to stay with it after that? Not even on a no, recreational that, level? That, I, you know what was funny is I was up there and I got someone had paid me to pace them to a 245 marathon in 2003, I believe it was. No, it was 2004 for Chicago. And uh because I was trying to tra- make the third Olympic trials marathon, but I just, I, something wasn't clicking and I, I, I just couldn't get the work in. And, uh, so I was still in shape to run 245 and, and I was up there and, uh, I didn't see him finish, but he called me, we were in different hotels afterwards and told me he ran 252 and he goes, that was it. I was, I, I didn't have another step in me and I don't want to train that hard anymore. And I respected that. 
Hey man, yeah, there's something to be said for that. I mean, to go out to go out on top. I mean, how many athletes do we know, not just in in running, but certainly other sports, where it's like I think of Jordan, right? I'm like, yeah, man, you just yeah. went out on top when you when you won that last title. I mean, there was no need for you to come back and like play for the Wizards and in, into your 40s. You know, it's like, yeah. Well, know. you you know how it is when you hear that that thing in a in a athlete's voice when they reach the goal, and he was he was happy as an eight year old boy getting a big bowl of ice cream. Um, but, you know, I could also hear that, you know, three years of marathon training was a very focused marathon training. A guy working 60 hours a week was enough for his yeah. body yeah. and his mind. So. Yeah. so going back to your early days as a coach, when you first started working at the Asheville School, you know, you had a couple of, of private clients. Did it click for you right away that this is what I want to do in some way, shape or form for the rest of my life or did it take a few more years to kind of figure that out? No, I knew it from the, from the start. I, I had a, I, I referred to uh, my high school coach. His name was Richard Westbrook. I had a high school coach who, if you were goal oriented, he was going to help you reach the goal. When, when I was a high school senior, I won the state, the Georgia state mile championship in the largest class. Well, I was the fourth different guy uh, consecutively at this brand new school to win this title. And it stuck with me that, you know, I, I, I worked with this man. He believed in me and he helped me reach a goal and get a college scholarship. I was not a good student. I might not have gone to college. Um, so I always feel like what I'm doing is what I was essentially put, all my parts were put together to do. And I did know I was going to stick with it. Um, you know, the hard part is, you know, a lot of times with high school coaching, you just, you've got to work a number of odd jobs um, to bring home the bacon, if you will. Um, but I never doubted for once, especially after those first three people I coached had just pretty quick success. The kid who uh, ran the 153 had barely broken two the year before and his head set a state record that stood for 12 years. Um, so, Never had a doubt that this is what I wanted to do, and um, coaching is something I can do till I'm 80. Yeah. I don't. I'm not living. I'm not living a life that I need to. I'm going to need to retire from. Yeah, I I like that framing of it, and that's the same conversation that I've had with Christine, my wife, because you know, working for myself as a coach, primarily, like I don't have a 401k or anything like that. I'm not putting money away for retirement, uh, like my wife is with her, you know, nine to five job, uh, and we're, we're very grateful that we, you know, we have that. But I'm like, I'm going to keep doing this till like the day that I die, uh, or as long as I have all my capabilities about me. Like I don't ever see, you know, coaching is something that there's an end date to. Absolutely not. I I appreciate what you're saying because we're both wearing the same hat. My wife is the nine to five and I'm the odd job guy and or, you know, run my own coaching business plus coach at a high school. It's, it's, um, it's just what I've done for a long time. And I, I value what you do and how you put uh, your word out there for um, all the, the people. I love your interviews and it's just, uh, I love to see what you've made out of yourself basically being a freelancer that's a tough gig yeah well thank you i i appreciate that and it is it is a tough gig but i wouldn't have it any other way uh as i'm sure you know as you've just said you wouldn't either absolutely not i mean my wife counts on me to take care of a lot of the house stuff and it gets done and i get to take off 
and go coach my athletes. And I love nothing more than driving on to the Christ School campus, seeing my guys come down from class, ready to run. They look me in the eye and it's like, it's go time, coach. Go time. What are we doing today? Yeah, what are we doing today? Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a, it's a good feeling. You know how it is when you've been in groups. I know you you still have that uh, that uh, evening group you used to coach. Yeah, Wednesday nights uh, in San Francisco at Kizar Stadium. Seven. What's a better? What's a, what's a better now. feeling? Yeah, what's a better feeling when they all show up? <laughs> there is none. I mean, there's really not. I mean, maybe the only better right. feeling is like, you know, as they're about to leave, you know, they're looking at you like, did I just do that? Uh, I can't believe I just yeah. did that. I mean, maybe that's a, a better feeling, but I mean, I love just walking up to the track as you described and seeing the excitement on people's faces. Like, all right, what do we got on tap for today? Uh, we know it's going to be hard, but I know it's going to make me better. And I mean, there, there really isn't uh, a much better feeling than that. Agreed. Agreed. Thinking back to your days as an athlete, before you even started coaching other athletes, were you the, you know, the type of kid who was, you know, just gobbling up whatever you could in the running magazines? I mean, you know, you're, you're an old guy, so the internet really wasn't a thing, you know, back then, but like going to the library, pulling out all the old books, like, you know, just asking questions of your own coach, trying to learn as much as you can and like soak it all up. Yeah, I was fortunate. Um, when my coach and I would take road trips, sometimes I'd be solo because I was better than my teammates. Um, I would be digging in his brain about, uh, you know, different athletes. He taught me about Arthur Lydiard and mm-hmm. I became fascinated with Lydiard and um, studied him to the nth degree. As a matter of fact, a couple Fridays ago, we had some lightning storms and I gave my athletes a day off, but I took my distance runners into a classroom and gave them a 30 minute lecture essentially on the history of Arthur Lydiard and how he changed running in the world. Um, but um, otherwise, you know, besides soaking up all the literature I could, um, I was also just into all kinds of other sports too. So it wasn't all just all running for me. I, I loved basketball and I loved uh, to get out and play almost every single day. Um, so the running part, I was soaking up what my coaches uh, were giving me. Um, I, I had a hard transition going from high school to college because college was the freshman year was such a meat grinder as a lot of freshmen out there have have learned and older athletes have learned if they ran in college. But um, I still to this day try to pick up knowledge from anyone and everyone I possibly can. I don't listen to a million podcasts, but um, there's a few guys when I know that they're going to be um given a podcast uh, i'm all ears and taking notes so because you can learn something every day I, I don't have any kind of perfect formula i just uh allow my brain to take in all the knowledge that is that is possibly out there and just understand how i can mix it together with what i already know to uh, apply to my athletes yeah what did you take away from your own high school experience as an athlete that you now try to impart upon the kids that you coach today? Well, frankly, I don't think I still get, there's hardly anything better than winning the state championship. I mean, that still was just was a foundation foundational builder for me in life. Um, but also I had a unique situation when I was in the ninth grade, I was actually at a junior high. So it was seven, eight, nine in Georgia. And, uh, but I was good enough in the eighth grade that my coach was like, well, you need to go run cross country at the high school. 
So I would run a mile from the junior high to the high school after school, and I would join this high school cross country team. And they, I was four foot 11 and weighed 96 pounds in the, in the ninth grade. Um, and, but these guys who were older than me, they just took me in and like, uh, just, you know, treated me like one of them. And I felt like I was this little junior high dude, but then I started beating some of them and they didn't like that so much, but you know, Friday nights, they'd take me out and we'd go places and do things. And, you know, it, it just cemented this culture, this running culture that is really special. And, you know, when I got to Christ school eight years ago, I had two boys on the team that could break 20 minutes for 5k. Now I had five of the smartest kids in the school and that's great. But, you know, if you came to one of our practices and you saw the culture that Christ school cross country and track has, it, it reminds me of going back to the ninth grade. And it gives me a very, very special feeling in my heart that, you know, running can do something for people who maybe don't feel like they're going to fit in. And next thing you know, you're just part of the crew. And lo and behold, you've, you've got friends for life. And I still talk to my cross, my cross, a couple of my cross country friends, uh, to this day. So, um, high school, my high school was situation was just fantastic. Um, it was really good. And this coach was just that guy who looked you in the eye and said, we're getting work done and you're going to be good. And it played out like that. How long did it take you to build that culture with a fresh start at Christ school. I mean, you've been there eight years now when you started with the programs you just mentioned, you had two kids who were like under 20 minutes for 5k. I mean, just this year, I think you had at least two boys under nine minutes for two miles. One of them just broke four minutes, uh, Rocky Hansen last weekend in Virginia. And you know, you're, you're winning titles. I mean, you've got a strong program now year in and year out. And I'm just like curious how long it took to just like get that buy-in from the kids and like build something really special? Well, it kind of goes back to um, number one, really believing in myself because I have educated myself over a lot of years. Um, I've also, as an athlete, gone through the trial and errors of, uh, of trying to be a professional runner, um, trying to be a good collegiate runner. And Along the way, I've been fortunate. I've met Olympians. I've watched how people do things really well and how people really screw things up. And it it all goes into a mixing bowl of knowledge. And I, even when I had that team that was not very good, I think we were 19th out of 21 at our state meet. As a matter of fact, we got 79th out of 80 at one meet. Um, but they were great kids. And they were having fun and they were getting better in their own right. I mean, I had a kid over a five year period go from 25, 13 to 1624 in cross country. I started with him as an eighth grader. And um, it, it doesn't matter what the talent level is of the person. This is like the energy you bring to your Wednesday night track session. Mm -hmm. It's you look this person in the eye. I've, you know, I had a, a gentleman in a calendar year go from a 520 marathon to a, three hours and 41. And he just had this focus. And I just said, okay, he gets all my energy every time I'm going to interact with this guy. And 
so that's what I brought to Christ School. I had kind of rebuilt the program over at Asheville School. Um, had some good runners over there and the great kids. And then uh, and at Christ School in our track season, the first year, we got eighth place. And I went back to my AD and I said, who's trying to get eighth at anything in life? And I said, I need three or four basketball and three or four football players. And in the uh, six years since then, we've got two state titles and four second place runner up finishes. Um, So, you know, you go into your coaching with confidence. I go into my coaching with confidence and I need the kids to feel like they can trust me. They can talk to me about their problems. Oh, coach, I'm not feeling great today. Okay. We're going to make a little adjustment. Coach, I had to stay up till four in the morning because of a test or I had a sinus issue. Okay. Whatever I hadn't on tap to you just changed. That's what I'm saying to myself in my head. So it's 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 just a caring culture that we as coaches I feel like bring to um, athletes. It, it, that is, if you're doing it right, um, you know the my way or the highway or the old school methods just really don't work anymore. Those kids are long gone, and um, I refuse to bring anything less than a hundred percent of me to my kids every single day. Building off of that, what do you view as the primary role of a high school coach or let's just say a youth coach? Um, well, number one, you're a teacher. Um, you know, you're, I tell my kids, we have, you know, we, you know, basic, basic rules about being on time. I mean, you know, you're going to go off to college and if you're five minutes late to the plane, I think the plane's already gone. Um, the role is to help build their lives. It is to help bring positive um, reinforcement for their actions. Uh, listen to them when there's issues. Uh, I when I get to practice every day, I take a, a visual scan of all of my kids' faces without them really noticing me doing that. Because I want to see what I'm looking at and see if somebody's looking a little off. And if I might need to say, hey, you take a walk with me over here. How's your day? You know, I, it's 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 incumbent on in us to make their lives better. So that's what I try to do on a on a every single day basis. And I hope I'm bringing my A game every day, but uh, I'm giving it everything I have. Yeah. In an environment like the one that you have at Christ School and you've had, you know, in other places that you've worked, I mean, you've got like a wide spectrum of of athletes, right? You got some kids who are like really into it. They're super dedicated. You know, they definitely don't need, you know, the the motivation they're achieving at a high level. And I imagine you also have some kids whose maybe like parents push them to do a sport and maybe it's a requirement at the school or, you know, for whatever reason they like, you know, maybe don't really want to be there like quite as much like how do you manage that in a in a group environment when you've got people who are just in it for all different reasons well thankfully i have wonderful assistant coaches um if someone's come into our practice and they're doing it for reasons of you know mom said i need to sign up for this or um they're just not fully into it frankly they just don't get all of that energy that i bring Mm -hmm. Um, I tell them straight up at the first day of practice, I tell everyone that this, I say, 
basically what I just said to you. Um, and we make it real clear. And uh, I don't get a lot of that anymore. Um, I had I only coached public schools for a couple of years, and I had a lot of a lot of those kind of issues. And I also had to deal with parents a lot. My interaction with parents now is all positive um, because I'm, you know, pushing their their boys forward uh, in life along with the great teaching and administration staff at Christ School. But um, I don't I don't waste a lot of energy on someone who's not into it. Um, but you know, I've you know, I have Rocky running 1420 for the 5k and my 30th guys running 28 minutes, but he's really into it. So he gets a lot of my energy. His name is Bill and he's from China. I'm like, Bill, how you doing today? Looking great on that workout. So it's about what they bring to you. I, I want to reverberate uh, positive feelings to every kid. Um, and I won't ever like not be nice to a kid because he's just not that into it it's just that I'm not, I'm not able to push that much energy in that direction do you or have you ever had to recruit kids to come out for the team and and if so i'm curious like what that's <laughs> what that looks like absolutely not um i tell i'll tell you this um Six of the seven kids that helped us win a state championship title in cross country, which was our second in a row, came to Christ School because I coached there. Wow. That not only that, um, I know a number of them's parents uh, very well. And one particular uh, dad in general, he was a football player at App State back in the day. And his boys were extremely talented athletes in other sports. but. He said, nope, no, not fo- no football from y'all. And I did my research and you're going to get coached by Coach Ashley at Christ School. And I've got, you know, an 11th grader and an 8th grader. And he thanks me every single time I see him. And it's been about a thousand times over the last four years. So I know I would never, I'd never ever have to recruit. Man, that's the and ultimate that's, compliment. Well, it, it it is. It makes me feel really good. And, um, I, 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 it is kind of amazing. It's, it's, a, it's a very good feeling, but you know, with, with just Rocky, for example, you know, I started coaching him when he was 10, his parents moved from, I believe Dallas, uh, Texas, and he had been in USATF junior Olympic running. And they found me within a couple of weeks. I was, I had a youth group back in the day. Um, and, uh, you know, he went to a junior high that had okay coaching, but if the high school he was going to go to was the coaching was suspect, I'll just leave it at that. And his mother and I talked a lot. And she's like, well, there's just no way I'm not letting him be coached by anybody but you. And he applied, he got in and, uh, you know, we'd had a couple of good runners before that, that came to the school, um, because I coached there, a kid who's at Florida state named Andrew. Um, so there's no, no, I would never recruit anyone. Where do you start with a kid? Uh, and let's just say for, you know, sake of argument, cause I mean, you work with someone like Rocky since he was 10 years old, but say like as a freshman in high school, you know, someone that you're getting fresh at, I don't know, what's that? 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, you're looking at that kid and like, you know, wh- where do you start with them knowing you're going to hopefully have them for the next four years? 
Well, that's a really good question, Mario. Um, I have an eighth grader on the team and I won't name names, but uh, I worked with him a little bit at the end of his junior high year last year. He was in the seventh grade and um, he dropped down from about a 502 to a 454, 455 mile. Um, and so he came in as an eighth grader and I, I have to make a conscious effort because I've got Rocky Hansen doing, you know, maybe 60 miles a week. Um, and I have to look at this kid over here and go, wow, he's, he's actually 13 years old. So when he came in, he was, and, um, I'm sending Rocky off for an eight miler. This kid's going off for a four miler. I have to really keep it in perspective. I, that's why I take a face scan every day. I look at these kids mm-hmm. and go, okay, that that's so-and-so and that's so-and-so and that's so-and-so because, um, 10 different kids might be doing four different workouts. And so it's, it's about keeping it personal and understanding that um, long-term growth is a gradual process. You can't skip steps where you and I are in the A to Z job mm-hmm. and you, you, you just can't. And so with this kid who is, run 437 and 208 um this spring um there there's a way to keep it as a natural progression and not force so i keep myself aware and i take a lot of notes and i make sure i check in with these boys on a on an everyday basis so i don't accidentally send that one kid off for a 10 miler who can't run 10 miles or could but it might mess up two weeks of training mm-hmm. so it's about staying present in the moment and um and 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 then knowing your knowing your personnel knowing your guys or your squad of i just have guys but um yeah i think it and should be noted uh just in in the context of this conversation you talking about your current role at christ school it is an all-boys school which is why you say guys yes that's why i say all boys i don't i uh, i've coached plenty of good girls um went to the olympic trials marathon but uh at the present situation i'm a all boys school Mm -hmm. how do you handle a situation where you might have you know a younger kid say a freshman sophomore who you hopefully have for another couple of years they show some promise they're really enthusiastic it's like coach i want to i want to go run with rocky you know who's like two years older and like (laughs) a couple levels you know higher or you know I mean, you you did say how you don't really get the parental pressure, but I imagine in in maybe past situations you've had parents say, "Hey, I think my kid should be running another like you know ten twenty miles a week, or should be doing like more speed work, or you know X Y and Z." I'm curious how you manage those types of situations. Well, I listen to every parent and every word they have to say because I might catch a nugget, mm-hmm. you know, about their diet or their sleep or. Um, one of my better runners, we just found out this, gosh, early March that he had two different types of asthma and was basically allergic to Western North Carolina. So, um, with those kind of things, I just don't, I don't, I, I hear, I listen to everyone because as I said, I might learn something, but also I just don't have a lot of outside noise coming in, messing with my program because we're having success. And, um, if you know, sometimes I get I've had people say, "Hey, maybe the kid, my kid, could use more speed work." I say, "Okay, all right, we may I might mix that in, you know." But I already got my plan, so I'll I'll, I'll hear I'll listen to any everyone. But 
I, I feel like I know what I'm doing and I just don't get that kind of pressure Mm -hmm. at all. It's been years. I mean, I want to say 10 years since somebody made one of those kind of suggestions. How do you think about, especially with high school age kids, uh, not specializing them too early? I mean, I would imagine most of your kids, you've maybe got them two out of three seasons or maybe three seasons. I know you guys don't do a lot of indoor track in North Carolina, but you do you know, participate in that. Like what if a kid wants to play another sport, right? They, they run cross country in the fall, but they really want to play, you know, basketball over the winter or, you know, baseball in, you know, in the spring, like what's your, what's your outlook on managing those types of situations where, you know, a kid might not want to run year round. And how do you think about it? I would support the kid a hundred percent in whatever direction they want to go. I would not put any pressure on them to specialize in the sport. Um, I had one kid who's wanted to play basketball one winter, have fun. I'll come watch some of your games. You know, it, life is to be lived. It's not, uh, it's, I'm not someone that's going to impose, uh, everything I feel on anyone. Um, when I feel like part of my job at Christ school is to make sure these kids are happy. I mean, it's a private school. Uh, Parents are putting out some dollars and the experience for these kids, and it should be this at every high school, needs to be positive. And I am going to, if a kid comes to me and says he wants to switch sports, I support it 100%. If a kid comes to me mid-season and says, this is not for me, I say, who do I need to talk to to help you get where you want to be? How about the kids who maybe put a little too much pressure on themselves? You know, they see the success of some of the other kids in the program and maybe they're not, you know, quite there yet, or they, you know, they plateau. I mean, you know, that's hard for any runner, regardless of of age. But I imagine, you know, in an environment with a bunch of teenagers and, you know, you're around your team, you know, most of the time, that can become amplified sometimes. How do you help athletes work through those types of scenarios? Well, we had a very specific situation like that um last year, uh two thousand twenty. 21, 22. Um, you had a very good athlete on the team who had come from uh, his, he had actually come to Christ School because I coached there as well. His family was from about two hours west. And, you know, he was a 450 guy and he ended up finishing as a 418 and 919 guy. But he was, he was, he was third on the team behind my best two runners. And he, he had, a lot of issues with it. And he and I had many, many heart, heart talks about it. And frankly, um, I sought some outside help from a sports psychologist and the man we, we use is just fantastic. And he has helped many, that's one, two, three, four, at least five of my athletes, um, see the big picture and understand the place that they're in and how to accept that place and then continue to work harder and smarter to get better, to have the potential to maybe move up. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Related to this, how about things like social media and Strava and just, I don't know, the online world in general, which is so prevalent 
these days. I mean, most people you know, have cell phones or connected to the internet most hours of the day for, you know, for better or worse. And, you know, I mean that, you know, for, for any human, um, can have, you know, psychological, you know, effects. And certainly, you know, I imagine amongst high school age kids who are, you know, competitive, it's like, now you can not only see what your teammates are doing. It's like, you know, what people in the next County over do in the next state, um, you know, nationally, uh, and it's, it's hard not to compare yourself to what else is going on out there. Like, what are those conversations like with your, your athletes? And is it something that they struggle with or do you have team rules in place to try and help, you know, mitigate some of that? Like, I'm super curious, like what that, what that looks like for, you know, you and your squad at the Christ school. Well, here I am uh, blessed again. I just don't have a lot of issues with that. Number one, the school has its own rules mm -hmm. against, um, you know, too much of this and too much of that. Uh, the school is academically demanding as well. So, uh, you, you know, I, I, I know of a kid who was at a different private school who was really, really good in his sport. Uh, and he took to social media so hard. Um, this is in his junior year that it, it blew up his senior year to some degree. He did. He wasn't as good his senior year. So, I mean, we talk about the pitfalls. We have classroom talks, not that often, but when we do, we just go over the real, real life stuff that's happened nowadays. I mean, kids at our school have been kicked out because of just lewd photos on, on social media. Okay. Well, we all know that's just not a good idea. Um, and my guys are, frankly, they're just, they're just a little smarter. Well, not all of them are all that, all that much smarter, but, um, they want to stay on the team and they want to be teammates with the, their friends and they're just not going to jeopardize um, doing something stupid. And we discuss it at the beginning of the year. We just have a, a heart to heart and, and we talk about expectations and, you know, not doing things that could get you in trouble and also uh, showing up present with present minded uh, at practice. I mean, obviously I've never ran with a cell phone. Um, they, we don't, I mean, I've had kids take off on some of our runs, especially early in cross country season with the cell phone. I'm like, whoa, 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 stop. No, we just don't do that. So we, we detach, you know, it's so much fun when you get away from your phone. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's a, that, that's what running's about too, right? I mean, it, it seems, I, like, mean, it, it, I mean, you and I, I mean, came up in a time when cell phones just weren't a thing. Um, you know, you couldn't right. run with one if you wanted to, because they just, they just weren't as, you know, as prevalent as, you know, as they are now. And I think, you know, you learn to appreciate the simplicity, you know, and the beauty of a run, the time you get to share with someone else and not being bothered by, by something, you know, in the outside world. And I mean, you know, it, it's not, this isn't a, a criticism. I think it's just the time we live in. It's like, you know, a lot of us have cell phones on us at all times, you know, whether we're running, whether we're right. going to the grocery store, um, you know, walking around our house, it's like, we, you know, we have this thing like, you know, tethered to us. And I think, you know, for, you know, for some folks, I imagine certainly, um, you know, high school age kids who grew up with this stuff, it's like, they just don't know, they don't know any different. Uh, and it's like, until like, right. you know, someone that they look up to and respect, such as their coach, such as you, like say, like, hey, 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 let's just like, you know, put that aside and like, you know, everything's going to be fine. Let's just enjoy the time with each other and, and disconnect. They, you know, until that happens, they can't really, you know, see the, you know, see the benefit or see the beauty in it. No, I've got a best friend here in town and I uh, live in Asheville and he, um, 
runs with his dog in the woods five miles every day. And he, he made a quote one time that I thought was the best one I'd heard. I should have thought, well, don't know why I never thought of this, but he said, when I go run in the woods, it's like taking a vacation every day. I love it. I mean, I love it. It's like, cause it's, that's the truth. That's what it feels like. It's a, it's like this, you're lost in time when you're on a run or even in, you know, on a bike, just having a good ride. You're, you're lost in time and space taking care of your mental and physical health. Yeah. And nothing else matters for that, you know, 30 or (laughs) 60 or 90 or however many minutes, you know, you're, you're going to be out there. And I mean, you know, I, I think in a, you know, in a world where it's like, there's always something going on, it's important to protect that time, no matter your age. Absolutely. I agree with you hundred percent. Well, I mean, just to kind of like round out this part of the conversation on like the, you know, social media and, and the internet and like those types of pressures. I mean, I think, you know, hearing you speak to this, uh, it really just comes back to the culture that, you know, you've tried to create with your squad from the get-go. And, you know, you don't have these problems because, you know, kids don't want to, you know, jeopardize their opportunity to like, you know, be with their friends or be part of this thing that's, you know, bigger than themselves. And I mean, you know, from the outside looking in, I got to give you a lot of credit for that. Um, So I think that's really like hard to do, but I also think it's probably a big reason um, your team's had the success that it's had. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, some of the kids I coach online, I mean, one kid's going to West Point. He's, he's not overdoing it on the social media. Well, another kid's going to Cornell. These kids are buckled down. They have goals in life. And we know that it takes work and focus to reach goals. To pivot the conversation to the X's and O's of training, uh, specifically with high school age kids. I mean, we talked a little bit about where you might start with someone, but like in general, for someone who's in their early to you know late teens, and you're trying to set them up you know, for life, essentially, I mean, not necessarily to run in college or professionally. I mean, if they do those things, you know, great, but it's like, you're trying to impart this lifestyle, you know, onto them, you want them to enjoy themselves and you want them to be able to develop when they get out of, you know, high school. So how do you think about things like, you know, mileage and the types of workouts that you're doing, like just knowing what you know, as an experienced athlete and coach who's gone through it um, himself? Well, the XO, XO part, um, I, my main focus is, yes, I want the kids to be as good as they can be in high school, but I want them to be better in college. So I have a, I won't say it's a motto, but I, I, I know I undertrain my kids and I, I don't really care what anybody thinks because, because we still get results. And for the most part, we don't have injuries. Um, but, you know, I in the, try to focus on getting um, six quality sessions in over 14 days um, that focus on different energy systems. And we always take Sunday off. So it's, uh, you know, and it's it varies as far as um, what we do is specifically, but not a whole lot. Um, my kids are in a three-week block now so we'll get in nine sessions over 21 days um uh, but i make sure there's a lot of time for easy runs recovery work um we focus on uh rope stretching that kind of business after workouts and then you know drills and whatnot a couple days a week so it as far as from a coaching perspective you know you just have to make sure you're taking care of the whole body 
and then you're always taking a, at least a little step forward. Um, if you fail to maybe do some type of work at some point, you're really not, um, you're really not taking away from them. It's just that you might not be giving them the shove in the back as, as forcefully as you would like. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, um, I keep, I keep a, a log of my work on the kids and I frankly rotate the same kind of workouts in and out, um, over those, let's say nine out of 21 days. So, um, I, I have a formula and it's, you know, based off of a lot of education mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I focus, look at what a lot of guys are doing today. This training, I feel like it's changed a lot in the last just five years. I think it's changed a lot. And, and so I re-educate myself every year, go back through all of my notes in the summer and uh, try to feel like I'm starting fresh with new knowledge. What are the biggest ways that you think training has changed in the last few years? Well, frankly, for me, I, um, five years ago, I just said, you know what? I, I think we're working too hard. I, I'm going to take a one more day down a week. So a lot of, I would go like Mondays is usually a hard day, but then not come back hard again until Thursday and then do something medium ish on Saturday as you know, part of a long run. And that extra day, instead of going Monday, Wednesday, possibly Friday, a hard session, possibly Saturday, a long run, that's just wearing kids out. And, you know, there's a lot to be gained on those easy days from for recovery and endurance. So I simply added another one of those days in the week. Now, so not that easy in a high school schedule. You really got you really got to know what day you're on. Because mm -hmm. you know the week might not exactly be Monday to Sunday if you depending on the meet schedule. So, in I, I feel like uh, uh, that's a personal change. Um, you know, I do believe you know the Ingebrigtsen stuff that's going on that that was done by the other Norwegian and the OOS. I think there's some true value to the the, the smart work that they're doing and i do know that a lot of college coaches have adapted um those methods over the last couple of years and frankly i do feel like and i don't think it's just the shoes i feel like we're seeing a body of collegiate and high school athletes just getting better yep. and 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 for me it goes back to not hammering kids too hard that's that's my takeaway. I like to see a kid finish a a four times two k workout and go, huh? That was something, but I don't feel terrible. Yeah. Now this this all jives with what I believe, and and also what I've observed and experienced, and even evolved in you know my own coaching. I mean, thinking about you know the group of age group adults that I coach on. Wednesday night. Like that's the club's track night, right? They know they're coming there to get a hard workout. And I think in their mind, before they even know what the workout is, like, I'm just going to push myself as hard as possible. Like that's why I'm here. And 
trying to impart upon them. It's like, Hey, no, no, no. We want to finish like 99% of these workouts feeling like you could do another couple of reps. And absolutely, it's taken them a while to buy into that, but they get it. So I'm like, then you come back here stronger the next week, or you can go again in like two days. You know, you're not so destroyed that like you can't run hard again, you know, for like three or four days. But I think maybe it's a, an American thing or like a Western thing. Like, it's just like, all right, well, if we're going to do a workout or we're going to go hard, we're going to like get everything that we can out of ourselves, you know, until there's nothing left. And it's like, that's how you should race. But it's like, in order for the training to be sustainable, um, you know, it's gotta be like what, you know, Mark Coogan, who I had on my podcast, you know, couple months ago he calls them b plus workouts you know he's like yes you know they're nothing that you would write home about um but they're good workouts you know you finish being like yeah like you just said like that was good work but i you know i could probably do another like you know rep or two because then you can come back a couple days later and do it again and and you know by being able to do that maybe you're not going quite as deep into the well but your capacity is so much higher you can just do like so much more work at uh you know we'll just call it sub max, you know, effort. If you do that for a long time, as we both know, like you're going to get really good. (laughs) You're just going to like, you're going to improve in leaps and bounds. Well, with my current um, two best runners at Christ school, I've, you know, frankly been experimenting with them over the last couple of years and uh, everything has been working so far. Um, When Rocky Hansen made his big jump last year, if I showed you the work he did, you would be like, well, where's the, Where's the beef? Where's the work? Um, you know, and and I always tell the kids, you know, it's never about one day of practice. Everything mm-hmm. you're doing is a body of work, and it's accumulation. It's an accumulation of movements to help you specifically race faster, because that's what it's truly about. I was I was a really good athlete back in my day, but I also prided myself in being the best in a workout. (laughs) And, uh, that got me nowhere. I, I, that literally got me injured, beat down, sick, uh, just because I could put something in my log that looked ridiculous. And uh, that B plus, uh, workout name, that's just perfect. I mean, that's, I, that's literally exactly right. And, I feel like that's part of this evolution of growth. Mm-hmm. Um, you can look at the Strava of some of the best collegiate 10,000 meter runners out there and you go, huh, that doesn't look too hard. Yeah. Well, they, that means that's because they're fresh on the start line. Yeah. And they're, and they're, and, they're, and, they're, and, they're, and well, and they're hungry. Yeah. And they're doing it week in and week out, you know, and that work just like, you know, accumulates and compounds over, you know, over time. It's like, what good does it do you to like, you know, bust your butt, you know, two or three days a week to the point where you're like, you know, not recovered for the next workout. Then you're injured in three weeks and got to take like two weeks off. It's like, that's not a path to success, right? Uh, just cause you won the, you know, you won the Tuesday workout. Well, I, I have a, a personal policy of not giving out hill workouts to my adult clients because I feel like you have to be present for a hill workout and, but I, I say 10 years ago, I had a client say, I really want to do this hill workout. Do you mind? And I said, I really do not want you to do the hill workout. Well, he did the hill workout and, and pushing very hard and pulled his hamstring. I said, well, I guess the policy was okay because he wanted to do an A-plus workout, mm-hmm. you know, on something specific where you can rip your hamstring. And I wanted a, maybe a B-plus type and uh, to keep building that bigger snowball, if you will. Um 
So I, I do believe that's part of this evolution. And of course, someone like Coogan is, he has the results to show for it. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, he had, you know, two Olympians on the, the last team and, you know, Olympic trials record in the, you know, 1500 meters and generally a healthy team of athletes, you know, year in and year out. I mean, you can't argue with that. Well, it just contributes to the, here we go again. It just contributes to that positive culture that everybody's doing what the coach is saying, which keeps getting me faster and my teammates faster. So maybe let's keep doing this. I think I'm going to come out to practice again. It's just, um, it's just the way it should be. And it's not specific to all of the great runners. It's, you know, it's how I take a kid from 535 to 455. It's, you know, the, the workouts are specific to that, that kid. And, uh, but nobody's, nobody's out there throwing out the A pluses. If you are, you're probably getting hurt at some point to wrap up this part of the discussion. I mean, this is what I've been telling my Wednesday crew and my, you know, one-on-one athletes that I coach remotely. I'm like, you know, with the workouts, we're not here to prove anything, not to me, not to yourself, not to your training partners. Like we're here to improve, you know, you want to prove something, do that on, on race day. We're not going to do it on Tuesday or Friday, you know, at the track, we're going to do it when it counts the most. I think you should do, I think you should really try to prove something at a food eating contest. (laughs) (laughs) otherwise let's go b plus workouts um one thing you mentioned with you know your your kind of mix for your high school kids right now and i really want to drill down on this a bit is like what i'll call skill development you know what is like drills and you know strides and what's commonly referred to as like ancillary type of work and i i love hearing that um because i i think it's so important right i mean you look at professionals like you know every pro that I know is doing some form of that, you know, in their weekly routine, because it's important. Um, but a lot of, you know, adult athletes, and I think this starts at the high school level, maybe it starts with the coaches at the high school level. Um, they skip over that stuff. You know, they, they don't do it. They don't see, you know, the importance of it. But I think like in a sport like running, especially, you know, if you're going to continue doing it after high school, even if not competitively, but, you know, as an adult, like, you know, how you move is, important you know you want to be proficient in in this thing so how do you approach like that side of you know the training um you know helping them to like move well you know develop these skills and understand how it translates into their running well you know i have we have results that show that the little things matter and i'll use um i'll use rocky as an example he this this kid leaves no stone unturned. Um, my assistant coach remarked last year when we were, he was doing one of the drills. He said, he does the drills exactly right every time. And I said, yeah. And that's what potentially can make someone great is that when you truly have a, a present mind in your, you know, your, with your attention and your efforts, then you're going to, what you're doing is going to make a difference. So my kids might start off one of the drills kind of sloppy. I'll just say, stop, turn around, please start again. I know you're chatting, you're laughing, having fun. That's great. But please focus on the drill. So 
you know, they know the little things work and we keep them in consistently. So they're, it's not like we skip three weeks and, oh, we've got to get some drills in. It's just part of the, the, the core fundamentals we do. And um, they they bounce off the track. They feel really good when they, when they get on and, and then it's time to race. Pivoting a little bit, um, and this is this is definitely going in, in a slightly different direction, but you had touched on it earlier. I mean, you know, we're living in a time technologically in running where we've seen some of the biggest advancements in the last few years, specifically in terms of footwear. First with super shoes on the roads for, you know, mostly marathon, half marathon, they've certainly trickled down, but now it's spikes. Um, you know, there are quote unquote, you know, super spikes and basically if you don't have them on your feet now, you're, you know, you're kind of giving something up to, you know, your competitors. Like how have, you know, you approached that, you know, just as a, as a coach, as you've come to like, understand this technology, I'm going to assume have dealt with like questions from kids and parents about what they, you know, should be wearing and just what you see kind of like going on in the sport in that regard. Well, part of my job is to help facilitate, um, my seniors to to college if they want to be a, a student athlete. So I specifically talked to, a, to about five to eight college coaches. I said, okay, these times are happening now with, with these super shoes. Um, does that matter to you? And they said, if they're not, just like you said, they said, if they're not running in the newest technology and running the faster times with the shoes, we won't let, even look at the kid. I mean, that's the bottom line. And as you said, um, if you're going to give up, uh, you know, let's just say uh, take a member off your basketball team and then it's five on four where you're probably going to lose. Um, so I, I've actually let the kids educate me about the shoes. Mm. They've, you know, I, um, it's fascinating, the technology. Um, but they know the deal. They know that in, in order to compete, to stay with the faster guys, well, uh, you got to get the newest technology out there. And um, I'm also finding these spikes, it seems like they're very durable. I've, I've not had any kids really need to get more than one pair over a couple of years. So um, I think it's uh, the technology is interesting. And I, as a coach, I support whatever it has to whatever has to be put on your feet to be able to stay in the same game as the rest of everybody out there. Yeah. What other differences have you noticed? I mean, aside from like times generally just getting faster across the board, have you seen anything in terms of how your athletes, you know, move with the new shoes on their feet, how they're recovering from like races and key workouts, that sort of stuff? Well, one thing we do is we don't run on a track. Uh, we wrote, we run all of our workouts on grass. And I mean, literally one, 100%. We had a track meet on last Friday, a home track meet. And it was the first time my guys had stepped on the track for anything since last spring, since spring 22. Um, I really feel like, uh, 
grass running allows you to get to a track and, and your legs be like, okie dokie, this feels really good. And I don't really know what the performance is like of the super spikes in the, in the grass, but that's what they're wearing. And, um, you know, just like back in the day with the Australian grass tracks, I think there's a translation of power. Mm -hmm. Um, and also I think it helps the tendons in the ankles, uh, medial and lateral be stronger, uh, which allows for more pop off of a springy surface like a track. So, you know, that's, that's our one thing. I feel like we, we do a little different. I don't know. Maybe a lot of people do it like that, but um, I don't really look at anybody else's uh, training too much, except for maybe some college coaches, but uh, so that's how we handle that. Mm Mm-hmm couple more things before we wrap this one up how do you talk to your kids about you know the things outside of running that you know support their performance like diet sleep um, mental health that sort of thing so at the beginning of the year started with cross country we have a sit down in the classroom i i studied nutrition um to help my own performance way back in the day back in the 90s I found some methods that were extremely effective. Um, so I go over a lot of those nuts and bolts. I also um, I have a handout that I give that's essentially nutrition for endurance or specifically for high school kids because um, they're not running anything more than a 5K. But uh, um, I, and then the, the little things, the other little things like sleep, nutrition, I mean, I have not, I don't have any control over that. We just discuss it mm-hmm. and I tell, tell them what's going to work best for your body. And we know high school kids, so they get to choose. I mean, uh, our kids are fortunate. They have a dining hall that is pretty fantastic and has, you could at least put, put some healthy stuff in your body every meal. Um, but I have to say, it goes back to um, having some kids that were there before uh, this group I have now that started leading by example with hydration. Um, Like I said, the rope stretching, all the, and then Rocky's taking that role over and roll kids, rolls kids through um, wall sits and uh, another, uh, another set of just different things that are not running specific, but we're seeing uh, very high quality results from, um, but the bottom line is, is they have to understand the big picture, how their body's going to grow and change, um, how all the right things that they do are going to make you a stronger, faster runner. Um, and a lot of times when you're, when you're having success out there running it, it, it encourages them to study harder, be smarter in the classroom. And that makes mama and daddy pretty happy. Last two questions before we wrap this one up. In your current role at Christ School, you're coaching just boys. But as you mentioned in the past, I mean, you've coached um, all genders. You know, you've kind of run the you know the spectrum in terms of type of athletes that you know you've worked with. Like, you know, specific to the high school level, like what are some of the biggest differences in how you approach coaching boys versus coaching girls? That there would have there would be no difference. 
whatsoever. Um, the thing is, is that the workouts are specific to the, the athlete. They're not specific to the program. So as I said earlier, where I'll have 10 kids go off for a run and for a warm up, and they might be doing three to four different workouts. Mm-hmm. Um, if that those were girls where well, they would have their specific sessions based off of, um, where they're at now, I think one, one mistake, a lot of coaches, I, I, maybe I, I'll just say it. Um, I think one thing a lot of coaches do is they c- kind of try to project workouts. So let's say a kid's in five twenty five shape, but it wants to break five. So they're having the kid do five minute workouts instead of five twenty five workouts or maybe five twenty two workouts. And the kid ends up getting over his head, maybe maybe worn down a little bit, maybe a little too tired for that race that's gonna happen uh in three days at a track meet. So I make sure that I know who I'm looking at. Okay, uh Joe is five thirty. He's not three fifty nine. I can't have him doing or Sally is six twenty and Brooke is four fifty nine. There's no difference as far as how I would coach either gender. It would just be that uh, everything is specific to the child. Yeah. Or just, I shouldn't say child, the athlete. To the individual, right. To the individual. Thank you. Thank you, Mario. Last question to wrap this one up. As a high school coach, when someone graduates from your program like what is success for you like what tells you that you did a good job coaching this kid once they're through your program well i i i try to help my senior uh start we actually start in the junior year i try to find them a program that's going to fit their academic athletic and then their um, their mental, um, acuity. I've tried to find a, a a good, well-rounded fit, um, uh, for the person. And it doesn't work always. I've had plenty of kids go somewhere and transfer, but, uh, frankly, just getting them to college and getting, even if it's an 85% right fit is, um, is a good feeling for me. Um, you know, you and I both know that the freshman year is really hard in college. I really always feel like there should be a a seminar or some sort of online thing that incoming freshman athletes take across all the sports, um, but specifically running. But, you know, when they're out of my control, I just frankly hope they give me a call every once in a while or send me a text, write me an email, maybe, and and I check on their results and whatnot. But at that stage, um, I hope to become more of a friend to them. And and then if they need a mentor, um, I let them know that I will 100% 24-7 always be available. So the, the thing I like the most is if I still have contact with them and and also that they're having success in life. Um, that is obviously vital and an important part of uh, them coming through our programs, my program, uh, to start with. Because we are a stepping stone. Stepping stone to the rest of their lives. 
I love it. I think that's a great place to wrap this one up. Randy, I always learn so much from you every time that we chat, and that was certainly the case here today. And I'm excited that we recorded it and I can share it with other people. They can also learn from you. Uh, I can't thank you enough for joining me on the Morning Shakeup podcast. It's certainly my pleasure, Mario, anytime, and keep doing the great work you're doing. All right, that's it for this one. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen in. If you could, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you're tuning into this from. It means a lot to me, and it helps new listeners to discover the show. Also, a big thank you to my annual partners, Tracksmith, New Balance, Precision Fuel and Hydration, and Gooder for making it possible. Check out themorningshakeout.com slash partners to take advantage of some of the discount codes and special offers that are available exclusively to readers and listeners of The Morning Shakeout. Before we go, I'd like to give a quick shout out to John Summerford, who has edited and produced every episode of the podcast, and also Chris Douglas, who is my right-hand man and helps to keep this ship afloat. And that's all I've got. I'm Mario Fraioli, and this has been another episode of the Morning Shakeout Podcast.